Sky Talkers is a member of the Star Wars Escape Pods Network. Explore more great content and get to know our sister shows at WeAreEscapePods.com and on Twitter at WeAreEscapePods. The Star Wars Escape Pods Network, promoting positivity in fandom. Welcome to Sky Talkers Fulcrum Files, where Caitlin and Charlotte break down the latest episode of Star Wars Rebels. An in-depth discussion commencing in 3, 2, 1. Hello and welcome to Fulcrum Files, part of the Sky Talkers feed. I'm Charlotte. Hey guys, I'm Caitlin and welcome to the return of Fulcrum Files. For the last, we have three more episodes of Fulcrum Files left. <laughs> including this one. Including this one, which is just, it's kind of crazy. It's uh, I was so excited for Rebels to come back, and now it's almost over. <laughs> <laughs> it's back, and it is going. It's, it's, back and, <laughs> it's back, and then it's gone. <laughs> so, yes. uh, and uh, what a doozy this first this return oh was. My God. Oh my God. Let's just talk about how watching this was maybe the most emotional I've ever been in Star Wars. It's comparable to the third time I saw The Last Jedi and I completely lost it yeah. in, in the Luke and Leia scene. Oh Caitlin. yeah. No. <laughs> like it was the same level. Where I, just, like, I, I couldn't stop where I was like, it was like taking over my body. When I was I crying. It, it's weird. I Because I was thinking about that too. Because the first time we saw The Last Jedi, I don't think either one of us cried at all. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think we really were able to take in what what was happening. But the, <laughs> you're right. The second and third time, it just like hit you like a ton of bricks. What was happening in The Last Jedi. Whereas with this episode of Rebels, I don't know if it's because we all knew it was coming or what. But I... I just broke. I was like, <laughs> what? And I don't even think I cried that hard, even in our second and third viewings of The Last Jedi, as I did watching Rebels last night. It was just like a lot of emotions. <laughs> and even even like rewatching um, it today and like Rebels. Re- I re- Okay, I watched Rebels Recon this morning at like seven in the morning and was just bawling into my coffee cup um i was too trying to put on makeup i was like <laughs> like slapping on my foundation <laughs> trying to put on your eyeliner but it's not waterproof yeah. and i was like oh my god this show it was it was so sad there's that moment where they're talking about how dave didn't tell the rebels like the cast that this was happening and you just see freddie like put his head in his hands and wipe his eyes and you're like <gasps> No, <laughs> it's just so sad. You think about these actors and how they've just become so attached to their characters. And they had no idea where it was going. Like, oh my god, they just found out right then. I'm just like <laughs> <laughs> so emotional thinking about that. And then how Dave had to like come into the the recording booth, <laughs> enter into kind the of recording, like, have, like, have like a powwow with oh, them, like I mean, a therapy like, session. Oh, I'm just so sad. I know. And and then I was thinking too about when they were recording Doom and how they're all being like, I, I bet they record, I bet, I mean, I bet that was part of the thing, right? It was like, we're going to tell them this now to get the emotion of it 
so that they mm-hmm. haven't like premeditated this emotion. It's all like very raw. And then I wouldn't be surprised if they went into recording Doom and like all of their respective like grieving scenes pretty soon afterwards in order to like keep that emotional level. You know what I mean? Totally. Which means like Freddie would have been there and you're just like <laughs> Oh my god! Oh, and lots of sadness. <laughs> it's so sad because they do talk about a lot how Dave is so good with actors to mm-hmm. like get those emotional performances out of them. So I'm sure that was a tactic that they took. Oh, oh yeah. my god! But they- like Caitlin and I have wine tonight. <laughs> 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 Loyal yeah. listeners will know it's infrequent for me to have wine when we record, and that's when you know. It's, it's just when you know. It's serious. It's serious. <laughs> yeah. They the, they talk about that with Ahsoka and Anakin, too, when they were recording, like, the end of Clone Wars, how all of that was really emotional for, like, Matt and Ashley. And then, too, when Ahsoka came back in Rebels, they didn't tell her that Matt was recording lines for, like, the Anakin-Vader-Ahsoka duel and how that, like, completely caught her off guard. Just like it catches Ahsoka off guard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're like, oh my god, Dang. <laughs> what are you <laughs> doing? <laughs> but um, so it's been a while since we've recorded Fulcrum Files, and we have a little bit of a different format than we do for our regular episodes and even our recap episodes of the films. So just to remind everyone. First, we start, we're going to start out with a 20-second recap, which will alternate. And I mistakenly thought it was Charlotte's turn, and I made her like get all ready for it. But really, it was my turn, <laughs> which I just found out like half an hour ago. So we'll see how this goes. And then in part one, we will give, we'll each give two highs and one low from the episode. And then in part two, we discuss the story. And in part three, characters. Yeah, so why don't we go ahead and do the 20-second recap? Let me uh, take a sip of wine. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, swig away. Okay, I'm going to count you in, all right? Okay. Three, two, one. Canon, the samurai tells Ezra to lead the mission to rescue Hera. The crew has arts and crafts time, makes it to the Empire base, and Kanan rescues Hera and her Calicory. At the last second, Kanan sacrifices himself. The crew mourns in their own way, and Ezra meets with the Lothwas, who tell him there's more knowledge he needs in the Jedi Temple, and so they go to the Jedi Temple, and, like, Rook gets a clown face. Wow. You have two seconds left. Whoa. (laughs) Yeah. See, it's funny, because the 20-second recap is... it's There's a lot of pressure, you know? (laughs) But... (laughs) But it's not that bad, right? Like, you can get stuff in. Yeah, you can. It's just I didn't want to do this episode. <laughs> you didn't really mention anything with Rook. Rook. <laughs> I, I, I just said he got a clown face. Oh, yeah, he did. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of arts and crafts in this episode. <laughs> I know. I, you know, I was going to bring that up later. But, yes, I liked how you said arts and crafts. It's very crafty. <laughs> but solid, solid 20-second recap. I give it Thank an you. A minus. Oh, okay. <laughs> you definitely could have fit in something else about. Um, I had two seconds. Yeah, you definitely could have fit in something about Thrawn, but I'll let it slide. We'll talk about it later. <laughs> okay, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's go to our part one highs and lows. There are whispers of this alleged Jedi in the streets. In time, such whispers might spark belief in something other than the strength and security of the Empire, and that, gentlemen is something I cannot have. Okay, Caitlin, what is your first high? 
My first high is all of the voice acting in this episode was just superb. And we all know that Vanessa Marshall is, everyone always talks about how great her voice is, which is true. And it is. But for me, the real standout of this episode was Taylor Gray, particularly as Ezra in Doom. And when Mm -hmm. he, the moments that really like caught my attention were when he was like waking up from his dreams and like calling out Kanan's name. I was just like, oh, heart clench. Sadly, it just it it he did a really great job, and I was really impressed. Mm-hmm. Definitely, I um, I, you only mentioned Vanessa Marshall like for five seconds, but I <laughs> really think that I I agree. Taylor Gray was amazing, but Vanessa Marshall was the standout in this episode for me. Um, just because. I just really want to meet her too. Like a lot of things. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, I feel like her, which is, this is my high. I loved high Hera, <laughs> drunk Hera, high Hera, Hera, like on the truth serum. I don't know what we're calling it. I did hashtag high Hera. Maybe that's it. Maybe I'm going to start a thing. <laughs> but that was, okay. It was like my favorite Hera moment that we've seen. It was so funny. It was so funny. Be- so it, great. It was weird. I I really liked Ty Hera, but then I I also it's like it's kind of weird that there's this comedy coming out of like her torture scene, which kid show. I kn- I know, but still, it's like the the true serum droid is like they make a really big deal out of it in A New Hope, and also right. in in um in Rebels. So it was I really liked Ty Hera, but it was it was still kind of weird to me this juxtaposition of this really like comedic moment for her after she was just tortured. Um, I totally get that, but I like the fact that when she says "I love you" to Kanan later, mm-hmm. it, it gives her that excuse to be like, it gives her that ability to be like, "This isn't the truth serum talking. I'm being a hundred percent genuine," and I like that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, without without that precedent, it's just like, um, of course, it would have been in a genuine moment, but it has that kind of weight on it because of that. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And and I thought the moments were really funny with Hera, too. Like when Kanan's like, I got you a present. And it's her calicory. And she's like, Kanan, this, this is, is mine. mine. It's not a present if it's already mine. <laughs> it's so good. See, it Vanessa was, Marshall was so good in that scene. It was like yeah, perfect. Yeah, she is. She is. It's, it's really funny. It was really funny. Um, okay, so my other high was the music. Um, I feel like I talked about the music a lot for my highs, but I really loved this how um, – Particularly, particularly during Kanan's sacrifice, it it was the the music throughout all of Jedi Knight was very different than kind of the other swan songs I've guess we've we've had in Clone Wars and in Rebels, particularly with Ahsoka and then like Sabine's themes um, during the Mandalore arcs. Um, it was very different, but but still kind of tied together with those themes that we've seen too, kind of like with the chorus that was going on. Um, it was all I don't know. It was just. It was different, and I really liked it. Um, at first, when we first saw the clip of Caden cutting his hair um, last week or earlier this week, I think, I was like, what is this music? I think I texted you about it. I was mm-hmm. like, how do I feel about this music? It was kind of like a little upbeat. It was a little weird. Um, but then, like, seeing it all together in the episode, I, I really liked how everything tied together musically. Well, it's definitely upbeat because – Kanan has now accepted his fate and his purpose mm-hmm. and he knows his purpose and it's not something to be mourned. It's something to be rejoiced about. And um, I think that's really cool that Kevin Kiner was able able to like work that in mm-hmm. um, and let that shine. And I just, I love the music in Rebels. It's just gotten better and better and better. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it like it just continues to surprise me. It doesn't have to be this good. It really doesn't. <laughs> no, you know? it doesn't. And you know this is one of those moments because I'm pretty sure Kevin Kiner doesn't record with an orchestra. He like it's all on his computer, mm-hmm. but it's like these big moments that he actually uses like live recordings for. So yeah. I wonder if they did that for this moment because they did that for Ahsoka Leaves. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like it, there was like some story. I don't I don't know if it's true or not, but that like Kevin Kiner like paid for it with his own money to like have this actual live recording for the Ahsoka Leaves track. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, but that's that would be cool yeah. if that was real. I don't, <laughs> I, yeah, and I don't remember if it's real, but I swear I've heard it somewhere. So if you guys know if it's if it's real or fake, uh, let <laughs> us know. <laughs> but either way, it's a great track. So I wonder I wonder if we'll hear about that if they did something similar for Kanan's sacrifice. Probably someday on the bonus features. Mm-hmm. I hope I can't wait to buy like a box set of all rebels together. Mm-hmm. Same, same. So what okay, was so your- my, my yes, all right. This is my second high. Um, I loved the characterization of everyone dealing with Kanan's death. It was like I had I just had this feeling that we had built up these characters so much in the past four seasons that we knew exactly how they would react, and their reactions were perfect like Sabine throwing her helmet I was like she would throw her helmet that is exactly how she would have reacted and also when she pulls away and wipes her tears and just continues on it's like oh my god this is so Sabine um Ezra being confused not really knowing how to voice it and then Zeb giving Ezra a hug and like bringing him close it's just like I had this just I had this feeling where I was like oh my god these characters have gone so far do you remember when we met Ezra and how Ezra and Zeb had such a rivalry mm-hmm. and they always butt heads and in this moment there they totally lean on each other and I was I, oh my god and then Hera having to deal with um Kanan's death in her own way and she can't be the general that they need her to be Mm -hmm. Um, so, man, I was just, uh, I was overwhelmed by how that was so great, um, and how that was written and depicted so perfectly in my mind. Agreed. Yeah. And I think that's part of why the emotions hit so much harder in watching Rebels more so than The Last Jedi, because we were given time with these Mm -hmm. characters to grieve and to watch them go through the motions of sadness, which we obviously empathize with them. And so we start feeling their sadness too, you know, whereas with, you know, the saga films, you don't necessarily have that kind of time (laughs) Mm -hmm. to to dwell. Um, You get like a couple seconds and, and snatches of it here and there, but you can't have like the whole first half of an episode, really a whole episode that's devoted to it. Right. Okay, so what's your low? So my low was I did not like the pacing of Jedi Knight. Um, It just – I can't even really pinpoint what it is, but everything felt kind of rushed at the end and and a little bit throughout too. And there was this constant like, is this it? Is this it for Kanan? Is this it? And I didn't like that feeling. Um, It kind of was taking me out of it like, oh, it's coming. Oh, it's here with Rook. Oh, it's here with um, the Empire. Oh, oh, it's here at the explosion. Wait, it's the explosion. What? <laughs> um, yeah. And I, I don't know. The, the pacing just didn't work really well for me in Jedi Knight overall. Um, and I think maybe it was because, we again, we all kind of came in with this expectation that Kanan was going to die. And it was just a matter of what if. And I feel like the episode played too heavily into that um, anticipation of the audience. Right. 
I I always feel like there's something like super meta about the fact that we know that this is we only have three weeks left of Rebels. And I wonder if we'd feel the same way about like that inevitability and like us looking for the when Kanan is going to die or whatever, if we had known that there was going to be like another season. Because these are situations that the Rebels have been in throughout this entire series. And it's not like completely out of the ordinary to think like our Rebels going to make it through it. But by knowing the fact that there's only like three or four or whatever episodes left, like we always, I, I don't know, it's always in the back of our mind is who's going to survive, who's not. When in season one, it's not really a question. Yeah. I, I, I always kind of think about those things because it's like, if we just didn't know that like extra piece of like this show is ending, I wonder if that kind of stuff would have bothered us. Because I'm with you. I agree. It did kind of mm-hmm. take me out of it as well. Um, yeah. But maybe not as much as you. Yeah. it's. I kind of think about when we were watching the end of season five of Clone Wars, like knowing that this was kind of how everything ends for Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying – and I can't really remember, but I'm trying to remember if I felt the same way. And I probably didn't because it was four episodes solidly focused on Ahsoka um, as opposed to – one and a half episodes, really one that was that was actually had Keenan in it. Um, so there's definitely a little difference there. Totally, and also Ahsoka didn't die. Like I, I know it's 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 a hard comparison, but it's a good comparison because it's like we were still left with that like tiny bit of hope that we'd see Ahsoka again. Where. Um, Kanan is is gone. And sure, he could be reincarnated. I guess it, it is a good comparison because we we have we have the same thoughts about Ahsoka now after Malakor. But um, mm-hmm. I I just I I think that that moment though, like we knew what was going to happen to Anakin as well. It's like we really have like question marks over every single one of our characters. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. know if that makes sense. But I just I. I don't know if I feel like there was a little bit more hope with Ahsoka and her character in that moment than there is with Kanan's sacrifice here. Yeah, definitely. And I think that goes back into like the timelines of these shows too. Mm-hmm. Like, with Clone Wars, you're like, oh, there's still a lot of time to play with with Ahsoka's timeline. Whereas with Kanan, yeah. we're butting up really close to A New Hope. Rogue and one. we're actually going to, yeah, and, and Rogue One. And we're going to talk about that later too, about like the, these storylines and our Rebels characters in them. But it, it is interesting comparing the two. Um, but what was your low for this episode? <laughs> My low is like super petty. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I hate Rook. Rook. Whatever. Rook. Yeah. And I just want him to die. And I like every time he shows up, I'm like, I hate this character so much. I just like, I don't like this. Yeah. I, I don't really love Rook. <laughs> um <laughs> I guess I don't really feel any two ways about him. Um, yeah, he's just, he's kind of there. He feels kind of thrown in um, in this last season. And obviously, as you guys know, Charlotte and I don't haven't read an Heir to the Empire, so we don't really have any kind of connection to him. Like, I'd much rather see Price and Thrawn going at it and trying to get the Rebels back. And, like, I, I would almost rather see, like, Price send some, like, dumb henchmen or something. Yeah, yeah. It's not even an EU thing for me. It's, like, a, oh, yeah, I just no. don't, I legit don't like this character, and I don't – I think he's, like, really frustrating to me. <laughs> and he just keeps popping up in situations where I'm just, like, I'm done with it. It feels very filler to me, and I don't like it. Yeah, well, he was supposed – he's supposed to be this, like, super intense bounty hunter. Is he a bounty hunter? 
I think but, he's more than a bounty hunter. Yeah, he's yeah. like he's like leveled up bounty hunter. And yeah. he can like the idea is that he's the best of the best, but he's been around now for a while and still hasn't gotten the upper hand on the rebels. So I'm like, where's your threat? Whereas I know that's the same issue with Thrawn, but with it's almost like to a certain degree, like Thrawn's above what's going on on the ground. And when he chooses to insert himself into the thick of it, that's when things get a little dicey. Um, Mm -hmm. But I, I don't know for me, Thrawn is a bigger threat and he's much more interesting. And I don't know. I don't know why that is, but I like seeing Thrawn on screen more than I do oh, Rook. I know why that is, because they've developed his character as an interesting villain who's not, you know, cut from a cookie cutter of dark side evil. And he is complicated, has an interest in art, which is something you don't really see. Like, there's a lot that is very compelling about Thrawn that is just not present with Rook. So. You're right. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he has a great music theme and an oh, amazing voice actor. Oh, and there's like a lot of compelling things about You're Thrawn. You're right. There's a lot. That, which- yeah. <laughs> so. Okay. I know why I like Thrawn better. Uh, which, can I just say I'm in a class um, all about international conservation and we talk about the destruction of cultural heritage a lot and the appropriation of cultural heritage. And so the whole thing with the Calicori, I was like, Thrawn, <laughs> let's talk about UNESCO and the World Heritage Convention and like all these things that are wrong with what you're doing. Um, so I was like relating it to my studies. <laughs> Good. So like, thanks, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's move on to the story. Yes. We will not rest until we bring an end to the Empire, until we restore our Republic. Are you with me? All right, welcome to part two, where we're going to be talking all about the story over the course of these two episodes. So how did we feel about these episodes individually and as a two-part arc? I'm, I'm so glad we got them as a two-parter. Oh, yeah. Um, because a week within uh, – with like to wait for these, I would have gone crazy. Same. But and, – and I think that – your comment before about like the pacing and the questioning. Um, I, I think it, for me, it kind of goes away when there's that second episode that you can pair with it. Um, I don't, I just don't have that same problem that you do with it. I, 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 I loved them both. Um, and I really like what they did for our characters. Yeah. I mean, overall I agree. And like the, the pacing low is, it's not like a huge deal for me, um, especially when it's put together with part two. And I really love the amount of time that we got to grieve with our characters. Um, I thought it was really well, really done really well. And one of the things I loved most about this episode was my realization of the impact of Keenan's death along with the characters, because I didn't realize at the time that the explosion like destroyed the fuel cell and like therefore shut down the production of the of the tie dis- defender yeah of the tie defenders and i didn't really make that connection right away and then they started talking about it in part two in, in doom and i was like oh wow like it's not just kanan didn't get out in the nick of time kind of thing because mm-hmm. i've seen some comments that like the rebels and, and jedi have all been in a similar situation where they've been in an explosion and like just got out in the nick of time so like why is it this time that they don't get out in the nick of time. Um, and I liked how there was kind of this bigger 
uh, picture that was going on. And I like that I didn't realize that initially. And I kind of got to figure that out with the characters too. Like when Sabine and Zeb tell Hera about, and they're like, no, not only did Kanan save us, but he saved like our mission here too. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's it sets up a larger kind of the state of the rebellion situation where this was such a... <laughs> Okay, it's a devastating loss that we have lost Kanan in our ghost crew, of course. But it's a big win because now the halting of the TIE Defender is pretty comparable as they make that comparison with Thrawn and um, Tarkin to the Stardust Project, which we know is the Death Star. So Mm -hmm. these are two huge threats to the Rebel Alliance, to the Rebel Alliance, to the galaxy at large. And it's like until that moment when Thrawn is talking to Tarkin, you don't realize like these are two projects that are competing with each other and they are both huge threats. And now Kanan's sacrifice has eliminated one of them. And we know that Luke Skywalker will eliminate the other. And and so will the Rogue Run crew, et cetera. Um, But it's Exce- this- it's almost sounded like you said excedrin <laughs> you know this is an ad for excedrin <laughs> sponsor us <laughs> but do you know what i mean though it's yeah. like um it, we always talk about and we didn't lead with this question in fulcrum files of like what's the state of the rebellion and at this moment the state of the rebellion while while seemingly like devastating because they don't have reinforcements from yavin and they are kind of confused about what to do um and this moment they still have this like big win that they just did um and they're given the upper hand in the midst of this great loss exactly and it's um kind of awesome that now if, if this is the end of rebels which we know it is then that's a really good note to leave it on um i think Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I, I it was like everything clicked for me. Um, mm-hmm. Once once we figured that, it was like, oh, okay. So the like you said, the Death Star is being created, Stardust, and obviously Tarkin is like, Tar- it almost sounds like Tarkin's ready to cut his losses, and I wonder how that will play into our end of Thrawn as well if we get to see that in Rebels. And then too, I wonder if uh, now if Ma Mothma gets word that they really have this chance to like really take out this big threat to the rebellion here on Yavin, now that they've been, they kind of have this, this moment um, where the, the fuel cell is broken. I wonder if the rebellion will come back and, and like help them really take out the production plant there, or if they will leave it up to, you know, whoever's left on Lethal. I wonder too, because I could see it as, and of course this is all going to be like obsolete discussion in two weeks, but I can see them being like, a ragtag group of what's whoever's left on Lothal kind of finishing what they start, what has been started mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Um, and then later when Mon Mothma like wants to help the Rogue One crew and um, realizes that like they can't do this alone because what had just happened on Lothal mm. um, and like all those reinforce, like they need those reinforcements and having those people around and kind of jump into that cause is like really inspiring because of the loss that they had experienced on Lothal and rebels. I, mm. I, I'm just like, I'm trying to think through about like how we're going to be able to view rogue one a little bit differently now having this story in the back of our minds. And I'm excited for that. Yeah, no, me too. Absolutely. I think it'll be really interesting. So we talked about this a little bit in in part one, but 
and a while ago too. Um, I can't remember if it was Fulcrum Files or just like an episode about I love Dave Filoni, but Dave <laughs> made these comments at one point about learning and can't remember how you phrased it, but basically coming to understand characters that operate within like Clone Wars and particularly in Rebels as more than just a footnote to our greater saga stories. Mm -hmm. And he talked about this in Rebels Recon too, about Kanan doesn't die because Yoda says there are no Jedi left. Like we can't look at these characters like this because that removes their agency in this galaxy. Um, We can't look at them as like they're only tied to – the saga films, um, like Ahsoka has to die because she's not in Revenge of the Sith. You know, that was mm-hmm. – we shouldn't have thought about her like that. Um, and so he mentioned that too, like about Kanan. Um, and Kanan has to die to to be an example of selfishness, self, selfless, selflessness um, for, for Ezra and the Ghost crew and the Rebellion. Um, so do we think that that's being accomplished in Rebels of making sure that characters like Kanan aren't just a quote-unquote footnote to the greater saga stories? I mean, my inclination is that I trust Dave Filoni, and I think that he won't just be a footnote in this in the saga films. Um, and I think that there's still episodes to go that will reinforce kind of Kanan's overall legacy and the Ghost Crew legacy in general. Um, I think that there's a lot of mythology to be told in the next like couple of hours of Rebels, including um, bringing it all back around with Mortis, which we all know is very, very heavy Jedi force mythology. So um, I feel like they, w- I, I have this feeling that they won't be a just a footnote, and I think that Dave understands that and is trying his best to make sure that that doesn't. They they're not just supporting Happen. these, yeah, these like larger films, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, I I trust in him. Yeah, and that's such a hard line to to be balancing, you know, because you don't want them to act like a footnote, but. Yoda did say there are no more Jedi. So right. how do you how do you make sure you're accomplishing both of those goals? Uh, and I read this really interesting Tumblr post the other day. Not the other day. It was today. Um, <laughs> 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 they to, like went on this this crazy. I'll call it my crazy conspiracy theory and hope it's right because my crazy conspiracy theory for the last Jedi turned out to be right. Um, but basically. <laughs> It said that this crazy conspiracy theory that Kanan didn't actually die, that the force, because we kind of see this like force push, like we see the energy of the force around him and that it actually like transported him to the Jedi temple. And then when the Loth Wolf is telling him, you've got to go to the Jedi temple, that's why Kanan has to, or why Ezra has to go to the Jedi temple, because not only is there knowledge there that relates to Mortis and, you know, whatever is going on there. But also, Kanan's there. So maybe he's not really dead yet. Or, I don't know, we'll see his force ghost or something there. I don't know. I'm, I'm just saying, there could be a possibility that Kanan's not actually dead. <laughs> I think Kanan's actually dead. Because yeah. <laughs> I think that he's the wolf. Um, I think it's very clear to me that he's the wolf. And I, I, I feel this firmly in my bones. And I, prove me wrong, that, that would be great. But... Um, <laughs> At her, guys. At her. Yeah, I, I mean, it's his voice. the The giant wolf that talks to Ezra is Freddie Prince Jr. Um, the wolf literally says, "I am Doom, Caleb Doom." Um, I his his eye shield is literally wolf's eyes. Before it's like it has been his destiny to kind of reincarnate as the wolf, and it's like I don't think after these two episodes we are to say that like we can't answer the question as to why. 
and I think we'll figure it out and we, as we've been finding out. Um, I saw someone make a cool comparison because I think at this point, like Kanan and Ahsoka are pretty comparable as um, two, two figures in the Star Wars world who have probably transcended death in this way to kind of be a part of the living force in and kind of like reincarnate in these different creatures. Um, I think in the trailer we saw Ahsoka, potentially Ahsoka, I'm not for sure, as the convoy. And we've seen, I, I think we've seen now Kanan as the wolf um, and he, he's met his destiny as the wolf. And it's like, I think that Ezra is going to find these answers and find out why and how and how do, how do these things all relate to each other whenever he discovers that like beautiful mural of father, daughter and son um, that we see in the trailer. But I, I'm pretty confident that, like, I, I'm I'm here for your I'm here for your theory as always, Caitlin. But I'm pretty <laughs> confident that he's the wolf, <laughs> uh, and which means which means he doesn't he didn't really die, right? Because it's of course like I don't yeah. know he becomes it's, part of the living forest. It's interesting because we kind of talked about this a little bit off air about how I wasn't sure how I felt about Kanan being the wolf because. It just like we know that Kanan's had a connection to the wolves, obviously with the with the doom um, prior to this episode, kind of throughout season four. But it's really been Ezra who's had this, you know, outstanding connection to animals, and so it seems kind of strange that it would now be Kanan who's actually reincarnated as an animal. Um, but as you were, and and I wasn't really sure how I felt about that. But as you were talking, it actually got me thinking a little bit about. You know, if Kanan is reincarnated, uh, his force spirit is a part of this wolf, however it works out. Like if Kanan is the wolf, um, then it makes sense because Ezra does have these connections to animals. And maybe now he's the only one who's like able to really commune with Kanan. Exactly. The master apprentice relationship they built up. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I think that um, this entire series, they've touched on how Ezra has this connection with um, creatures and is in Kanan even says you're a good listener it's going to serve you well in the future and it's because he's going to find something out he's going to have to like he has to listen has to discern um, and listen to these wolf creatures who are we know we have to have the closed captioning on to understand what they're saying mm-hmm. and like we it's it's just he's going to learn something and have to take it in and accept it and um in a way that we've seen him do throughout this entire series. He understands creatures, he understands species, and he believes people in a way that we haven't seen any of the other characters um, overall. Yeah, exactly. But then part of me is like, why didn't Kanan just say, it's me? It's Kanan. (laughs) (laughs) And I know he said, I'm Doom. It's Doom. But like, obviously... That's not working. <laughs> Why didn't you just say like, "Yo, kid, it's me. <laughs> Come to the Jedi Temple if you want to live." You know, like. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't have those answers. Like, same. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. It it is. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you're right. I think that's probably what'll happen. But I also remember Dave saying at one point too how audiences think they want really bittersweet, like tragic endings like this, but in actuality, they really don't. <laughs> we all really want happy endings for our characters. So I don't know. I, I, I'm still going to hold on a little bit to my conspiracy theory that maybe Kanan's not actually dead. But generally speaking, I think he's definitely dead. High probability he could be the wolf and low probability that he 
isn't actually dead or like is existing on some other plane, not as the wolf. Yep. So basically um, anything is up for grabs in my book. <laughs> <laughs> Those are all the possibilities and I believe in all of them. I just want to bring up something before we jump into the character discussion and mm-hmm. everything. Um, I just think it's really cool how um, Rebels, especially this season, um, has kind of – and not maybe not this season. Maybe I can't say that. But the the whole kind of impact and symbolism behind art is kind of has kind of taken center stage in this story. And, I mean, we have the Calicori, um, mm-hmm. which, you know, Hera regains and then adds – Cain into which is just such a beautiful symbolism of like he's gone but not forgotten but like always part of her family and um kind of like reinventing the past and like make it's just amazing and um the cave paintings or whatever is going to come with mortis i think that that is obviously very important mm-hmm. um and obviously that's a form of artwork and um even sabine, sabine has yeah. been yeah i mean the core of sabine's character is her art and um I, I I think that that like that definitely means something. It's like her creative expression, and I just think it's really cool how it's been worked into Star Wars so much it, through this series, and I really appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, you and I both come from art and art history backgrounds, so it's really yeah. neat to see those kinds of things represented in the Star Wars galaxy. And you know, particularly for me, like this idea of like heritage and history, and the characters are aware of that within the galaxy too, through things like the Calicori and, you know, what the history of Mortis, where if we're gonna learn more about that. And then, you know, Sabine's own like cultural um appreciation for her Mandalore past while also kind of bringing in her own flair with her own artwork. It just, it, it you're right. It, it is really nice to see those things represented here um, and throughout Rebels. It's so. also like a little meta too. I mean, I always like to talk about how Star Wars is super meta, but lately it really is. I mean, um, a big, st- the style of Rebels is all Ralph McQuarrie and it's like we worship this, these old concepts and kind of incorporate them into like present day Star Wars. And um, it's like the art never dies and how important that art is um, in this story and in, in this myth. It's just really cool. Mm-hmm. It is. I agree. Anyway, so do you want to move on to talk about the characters? Let's yeah, – I'm going to be sad, but yeah, let's do it. <laughs> All right, let's do it. Well, my name's Ezra. This is Kanan. That's Sabine and Zeb. It's nice to meet you, 7567. Actually, my name is Rex, Captain, 501st Clone Battalion. All right, welcome to part three where we're talking all about characters. So take a sip of wine, settle in. Let's start with Kanan. Okay. So all throughout Jedi Knight, it's kind of, it's kind of, we all kind of knew it was coming. Did Kanan know it was coming? Oh, of course. He totally knew. Yeah. And he was going to tell Hera about it, but ended up not being able to. Yeah. I, w- I wonder if that's what he was going to tell Hera. And it, and not so much that Kanan knew he was going to die, but he knew it was a possibility that he was going to die. And so he was kind of – I think he was going to tell Hera, I love you. Um, oh. Because of the like him kind of recognizing the possibility that he might not make it out of this this moment and I remember texting you during it and I was like if that is the last moment that we get of Kanan, Ezra and Sabine where he's like may the force be with you and like dashes off 
It was like, oh man. <laughs> oh, and it was. So <laughs> And it was and it was. And it was. It was so it reminded me so much of Revenge of the Sith with Anakin Nobi one. You know, mm-hmm. where it's that last moment and it's just tinged with this sadness because you know they're never gonna be together again. I know. It's really rough. But I mean, he did say right before he left, um, you're a good listener, and I feel like that um kind of reinforces everything that's Ezra is, right? Um mm-hmm. I don't know. And I feel like that was a really meaningful conversation. And even Obi, like you can, you could definitely compare it to Obi-Wan and Anakin's last moments and what Obi-Wan tells Anakin and how um, that sort of, it's, it's very sad, but it's a sentiment that we can see carried throughout Mm -hmm. um, the saga. Yeah. And and there are all these nice little moments for Kanan throughout this episode too, that are foreshadowing, but also just, I don't know. They're just these nice callbacks to who he is. And, and like, when before they leave and Zeb says, you know, I'm glad the Force is with you. And the, <laughs> <laughs> the Force was with him. Um, and Kanan, ugh, Kanan, like, accepted his fate, whatever it was going to be. And I think you texted me this, too, about, like, he Kanan had his own peace and purpose moment, like Luke mm-hmm. does in The Last Jedi. And it just... <sighs> yeah, and he gains his sight back because um, he has that sort of clarity at the end of um, this is what he's supposed to do. This is his act of selflessness, and he earned that ability to see the person he loves for the last time. Mm. I know it's like really emotional. I, I'm struggling getting the sentences out, but you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, the um, and I in Rumble's recon, I can't remember if it was Dave or, or Killian who mentioned that it's almost like at this point he's. Like he's energy, like he's the force of energy now. And it's almost like that's how he's seeing her. Not mm-hmm. necessarily that he quote unquote gained his eyesight back because at this point he's already becoming one with the force in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, they just kind of hinted at that. They didn't really give it a, a definitive that's what happened. But I just thought that it was an interesting way of looking at that moment too, uh, of this like last moment of his life too. Either way, it's like he got to, you know, he got to see Hera. Yeah. And that is just heart wrenching. And she sees that he saw her. Right. <laughs> and it's like, he didn't say, I love you back. But in that moment, it's like those actions kind of speak louder than words could ever. Mm-hmm. And it's like, she knows, she knows that, that there was like mutuality between their, their relationship was real and. The, yeah. the most real. Yeah. And the, and she doesn't even say anything about that later on in Doom when she's kind of living in her own guilt. She's talking about how she wished she had said it sooner, but she never says something like, I don't know if he feels the same way back. Um, oh, yeah. That's no, not I feel even, like, yeah, that's not no. even a question for her. No. Oh, man. Let's talk about Hera then because her dealing with that guilt, again, it's it's those kind of comments and make that in like situations and discussions that make me really love the complications between like the politics of star Wars and um, the history of like getting involved in a fight and everything. Um, I just, I I love callbacks like that where people are kind of, I mean, I don't want to say I love when people are ridden with guilt because this is a really sad situation, but (laughs) I, I really do kind of, I, I love those like moments of like, oh my God, maybe we shouldn't be here. Maybe I shouldn't have done this. And it gives a greater purpose to like the future when Hera will like regain that strength that we know that she has to lead this final battle. 
Mm-hmm. And it just reminds us, too, of these really great Keenan and Hare moments, like when they were having that tension about whether or not to be in the rebellion. Mm-hmm. And Hera was all for it and Keenan wasn't. And she was constantly asking him, you know, talk to me. Tell me what's wrong. We'll figure it out. Um, yeah. And it brings you back to those really nice moments between them where even when they weren't agreeing, they were still on the same side. Right. Ugh, I love Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> See, that, that kind of stuff is so good. That sentence that you just said, even when they weren't agreeing, they were still on the same side. It's like they can have these complicated opinions about these different things that each person is passionate about and mm-hmm. still be there for each other. And it's weird because we haven't really seen a romantic couple do that in Star no. Wars. No, um, and, and no. Kanan and Kanan and Hare were a hundred percent the healthiest, healthiest. We've ever seen in Star Wars. Ever. <laughs> Any relationship? Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> Too healthy. That's why they had to end tragically. <laughs> I mean, every every Star Wars couple has ended tragically. True. So, I mean, the jury is still out on a couple of them for episode nine, but there'll probably be some bouts of sadness in there too, you know, however if, it takes out. Rose aren't like eternally happy, like I'm going to be sad. <laughs> like what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, the it's, <laughs> we can't talk about Rebels without talking about The Last Jedi. Oh, God. <laughs> we can't talk about Star Wars without talking about The Last Jedi. Sorry. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> but – um. We mentioned this before. I loved Hi Hera. Um, I thought it was great. And I loved um, – um, I don't know. I just loved that whole part. <laughs> I think it was a great addition to her character and kind of like showed her like letting those walls that we know that she has down mm-hmm. yeah. a little bit. Yeah. And too, when um, – just the beginning part when she's still trapped in the, the like torture chair and she's telling the storm the clone troopers – stormtroopers um, – you, you guys are in big trouble. <laughs> and they're like, what? And then the lightsaber comes through and she's like, oh, I thought he was going to come through the window. <laughs> it's so good. It's, yeah. Her, her voice acting was like spot on in that, in that whole sequence. Um, it was really great. And then, of course, too, when, they're, when they do the crash landing and she goes um, – or Kanan says, you know, another great crash landing. And she goes, I don't have crash landings. Yeah. I know. Only <laughs> like, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> it's so great. Oh, my gosh. And when they're, they're like, oh, the kids are picking us up. Over oh, my here. gosh. <laughs> that was the best ever. Oh, my God. The kids made – oh, my God. The I kids can't. made them. The kids came up with that one. They might have said, I love you, Mom and Dad, on it. <laughs> In spray paint. <laughs> I was like, I love this family. Oh my god! <laughs> wow, I'm so sad about this family, and still holding on to crazy conspiracy number three that Kaden's not dead. <laughs> <laughs> and then also, let's talk about Chopper reaching out oh his hand. God. That maybe that was. I think that honestly might be the number one most devastating thing I've seen in Rebels. I I don't okay yes, but I gotta say that when their ship came down and Zeb was smiling up at them. Oh my god! I know. I think that, that was might so have- real. Like yeah. that, oh. that just was like a really uh, like life is going on, and here they come, gonna have like another landing and meet up with Zeb, and Zeb is just waving happily, like, "Oh, great! Another another successful mission! They're back! Yay. They're back. Yay!" Yeah. Like it's just it's kind of relatable. Like we, I feel like we've all been in those situations where we're like, "Oh my god, hey!" And then it's like the other person is like, "The worst thing just happened," and mm-hmm. you're like. Oh, God. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think because when they they were coming in for landing, I had forgotten all about Zeb, TBH. And I saw him and my heart just broke. It's like they have to tell him. I was like, who's going to tell him? How is that going to play out? <laughs> um, and I just started bawling all over again. <laughs> Ugh. But I, I got to say, one of the character moments I really kind of moving on a little bit to talk about Ezra it's weird how – not weird, but it's cool how we see the death of Kanan really break Ezra in this film because – in this film, in this episode. <laughs> it's basically a film, a short movie. Um, mm-hmm. Because in the first part of Jedi Knight, we're really seeing Ezra like step up to the plate. He's really being a leader. Kanan gives him the most important task of leading the mission to rescue Hera. And then, two, the, one of the moments I loved in this, I almost said film, in this episode was when right as Kanan dies and Kanan pushes Hera back again and Ezra grabs her to hold on to her because he knows she's going to try and run again. And he knows that, like, he needs to, like, keep Hera with him. You know, it was almost like this, like, moment of connection with him and Kanan. Like, he knew that Kanan had to do this, and he had to keep Hera with him, or else Hera would die, too. hmm Totally. It really broke my heart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, gosh. Yeah. Um, and he wasn't able to go – like, he wasn't – He Ezra probably wanted to do the same thing Hera was doing, but he knew he couldn't, um, mm-hmm. and he wouldn't be able to stop what was going on right now. Uh, but then – we see him really break down when they get back uh, to the rebel base. And uh, Dave talks about it a little bit in Rebels Recon about Ezra reverting back to his selfishness almost and making mm-hmm. this whole situation about him and how, you know, what am I going to do without him? I can't go on without him. He was my master. And it, it was it was a really big contrast between him in these two episodes. It's also interesting, and maybe this is, again, like, I'm thinking way too deeply about things, but um, you know how he, when he was sitting down and doing that, like, eeny, meeny, miny, moe um, uh, rhyme and, like, trying to choose a different path to take, and he mm-hmm. he was lost. Yeah. And he goes, it's like uh, Lothrat, Loth, Lothwolf, Lothbat, run, pick a path, and all is done. And oh, So I, ominous. I, well, it's just like. I, I don't I don't believe that. Like I don't like that rhyme because you don't pick a path and everything is done. That goes kind of completely against what Star Wars is. It's like you you choose a path, but like the what whole the whole like thing that Yoda says like forever will dominate your destiny. Maybe, but like you don't have to you can pick a path and then you can change later. You can always change. And it's like in that moment he's he's lost and he's looking around and he's trying to f- pick a path and he doesn't really know where to go. Um, I've, I've just been thinking a lot about that moment and well, he wants, what that he wants like, rhyme an, even means. He wants an easy decision. It's, yeah. It's this, child, it's this childhood rhyme mm-hmm. um, that's a game, you know, and he wants – he doesn't want to be thinking like an adult in this yeah. moment. He wants to be thinking yeah. like a kid. But I think I've seen some people speculate too. I mean, the 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 rhyme obviously has this very foreboding tone over the whole tail end of Rebels about what path are all of our characters going to take. Mm-hmm. Um, and I definitely think some people have speculated that it could connect back to kind of dark side Ezra. Right. Which I don't 
I mean, I, I don't, don't think, think Ezra will turn to the dark side. I do wonder if he'll be tempted by the dark side. And I could see a situation where Palpatine's like playing into Ezra's grief over Kanan um, and trying to to lure of course, him to give it to what those he does emotions. Best. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it'll be I that those will be some if that happens, if it plays out like that, those will be really interesting to compare to Anakin and Revenge of the Sith and Palpatine manipulating him with with Padme. Even even with Snoke and Kyle, like it's going to be a great comparison with like this evil illustrious master mm-hmm. of the dark. So we'll we'll see. Um, but I've just been. It's you're right. He wants an easy decision, and it's just not coming to him. He repeats the he repeats the rhyme a couple times, and he doesn't mm-hmm. make a decision. Yeah. So curious. So anything else we want to say about some of our characters? I mean, I know we really didn't even get to talk about Sabine or Ezra or um, Zeb all too much in this episode. But I, I liked I, – they responded how I thought they would respond. Um, but I like how they didn't follow through with their, well, I'm going to go, like, show up to the parade and, and blow some things up. You right. know, I like how they – because you see Thrawn talking when he's talking to Price. And he's like, they're going to try and do something reckless. And he's completely right about it. Um, but Sabine and Zeb are like, wait a second. Let's yeah, think this through. Yeah. I, I I liked how they didn't end up letting Thrawn have the upper hand on them in that moment. No, and I love how Sabine stopped um, Zeb from like brutally killing Rook. And I was <laughs> this morning when I was watching Rebels Recon, Disney XD had like this autoplay option and like the Kanan's death scene played. And then this one scene from Siege of the Thaw played. And I thought this quote was so good. And we we hear it a lot. It's a pretty like widely used rebels quote but it's in siege of lothal kanan says the greater courage is knowing when not to fight and Mm. in that moment sabine kind of took that knowledge and was like no 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 no. this is this is cruel we're letting our emotions get the better better of us and we just need to kind of (laughs) destroy him in a more hilarious way that like the and tag him the way that we know how when she paints him and it's great mm-hmm. yeah but, and sending a message back to the empire too yeah totally wait so i want to i want to talk about one last thing before we wrap up um i think it's so interesting that they faded to white when at the end of jedi night and how the logo in the next and Doom was also white. And then on Rebels Recon, everything was kind of in black and white in terms of the graphics. And I've just been trying to like think obviously through it. And there's a lot of symbolism that goes with like the color white mm-hmm. um, or the not color white. Is that debated? Anyway. The um, absence of color. Of color. Yeah. <laughs> white. So obviously like at the very end, it fades to white and we're supposed to think of like a white light because Kanan's dead. Right. And he sees mm-hmm. the white light. But I do think that what is what is there's there's something with the white loth cat like what is up with this color like it Kanan becomes this like big giant white wolf and it's like it's I think they're trying to tell us to care about in like think a little bit more about these colors like even with um Dave's hashtag follow the white loth cat and everything it's like what does it all mean I don't, I just I don't know what it means I just think it's worth noting same. I don't know what it means either. But it, it, I mean, it's similar to the Last Jedi. Here I go again. Last Jedi reference uh, with the color red. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's like red had red had like a meaning and a symbolism in the film, but it, it's not exactly a definitive 
symbolism. It's not like it's, you know, we, we don't look at the last Jedi and say the red means this specifically. It means a lot of different things in a lot of different context throughout the movie. So I wonder if it's the same thing with the color white. Uh, but of you're course. right. There has been this this really big emphasis on the color white. And I mean, white is this, you know, it's the absence of colors, maybe the absence of conflict for Canaan or the absence mm-hmm. of life. <laughs> um, so, wow, sad. Um, stepping into the light. I, I don't know if it could be a, a almost like a visual representation of the force. I mean, daughter wears white, doesn't she? And Mortis, right. her dress is white. Leia wears white. It's, Leia um, wears white. Yeah. I, I, and, I, and, you go. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Well, I, I mean, it was just kind of a dumb, not dumb, but I don't really think it means much. But, you know, black and white, the stormtroopers, they're very contrasting. You can almost apply like good and evil to those colors too. Mm-hmm. So... Well, true. And I was just thinking that when you were mentioning The Last Jedi and the color red, I mean, you you I immediately think about the crate battle at the end and how the salt flats is all white and how salt represents and salt and like white is like pretty cleansing. So what is mm-hmm. what does it all mean? I don't know. I, I don't know. Purifying a purifying light. Yeah, I think that I mean, I do think there's something there and it's like it's worth kind of thinking about a little bit. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I think we need more information, though. Yes. Anyway, (laughs) that's going to wrap it up, right, Caitlin? You have anything else to say? I'm sad. I'm ready for next week. I'm ready to return to Mortis for my mind to be melted. And uh, (laughs) I I think I'm ready to see Ahsoka again if that's coming down the pipeline. (laughs) But I'm not sure how I'm going to (laughs) respond. I honestly think that's coming next. So I think so too. And I don't know how to handle it. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Um, Well, (laughs) we'll deal with it when we get there. Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So I think that is going to um, wrap up this emotional episode Jedi Knight and Doom of Fulcrum Files. We'll be back next week, probably around the same time, to recap the next two episodes of Rebels. And you guys know where to find us. You can find us on Twitter at SkytalkersPod. Our individual Twitters at Caitlin Plusher is mine and at Clarity is Charlotte's. We also have a website, skytalkers.com. And if you like what you hear, you of course can head on over to iTunes and leave us a five star review and tell us your thoughts. We really appreciate them. Or you can email us at skytalkers. Um, you can email us skytalkerspodcast at gmail.com too if you want to elaborate a little bit more on your thoughts. Definitely. And I just want to take this moment to thank our amazing patrons. Lynn, Amy, Ryan, Neil, Jim, Suara, BJ, Joanna, Chuck, Aaron, Cherie, Kyle, Megan, Amy, Kelly, Matt, Brandon, Serene, David, Kirsty, Robbie, Derek, Connie, Delaney, and Daz. Thank you guys so much. And of, of course, you can always, if you're interested in supporting us, you can go to our Patreon page. It is patreon.com slash sky talkers. Yeah, just sky talkers. And <laughs> And talkers. Um, on the $3 tier and above, you get access to our monthly recorded Patreon episodes where we choose a topic and talk freely about it. So we'd love to see you there and we'd love if you could support us there. Um, and we'll see you next time. Bye. May the force, May the force be, with be with you.
Don't forget to thank Dave Filoni on your way out, and we'll see you next time.